Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. If you'd grab your Bibles and go to Exodus chapter 12. What we sought to do today is to kind of lead you on a journey to the cross um, through, through what we would experience if we were lost, that we would see Jesus, that we would worship how great is our God, that we would, in light of beholding him, that we would see us as we are, that we are sinners in light of the perfection of his holiness, that we would come to this place where we confess our sins before Jesus. We seek his forgiveness that he has accomplished fully through the cross of Jesus Christ, where we rejoice in what Christ has accomplished, that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that we would do these things today. We sought to bring you along on a journey today, and now we come to a text in Exodus chapter 12. But before I do, I feel led to just talk to family for a minute. So if, if you're a guest with us today, thanks for being here. But, but you might be let in on a little bit of our imperfections today. Here in this place, there is a sense of heaviness. And I, I think you know who you are that are carrying it. And I'm, I was just kind of feeling like we were grieving the Holy Spirit of God by pressing on forward like everything's okay. I think Jesus calls that even hypocrisy. And I, don't, I know I don't want to be that today. And I know you don't. And so I believe that there are people that are carrying burdens that are way too big for their shoulders to bear this morning. And the good news of the gospel is that, that God says, hey, if you'll trust me and you'll walk with me, my shoulders are big enough to bear your burdens. Cast all your anxieties upon me because I care for you. Come you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I just want to encourage you. We're just going to have a time of pre-preaching invitation. I ain't never done it that way before. Where if there's a burden that you're carrying, maybe a struggle or a strife with someone else, maybe a sin that you just can't let go of in your life or in somebody else's life that they, you feel like they have sinned against you so grievously that this morning as 
great as the truths that have been read and as great as the songs that have been sung, you can't worship. I just want to encourage you to come and lay that down before the feet of Jesus. And say, I trust you with this. Now that doesn't mean you don't have to work on that in the days ahead where you maybe have conversations with somebody that you really need to have conversations with or or you forgive somebody who may have wronged you, whether it was two weeks ago or ten years ago or two decades ago or when you were a child. But today I just feel like I'd be grieving the Spirit if we moved forward without it. So I'd like to invite you to join me at this altar, these steps. We're here to celebrate the Lord's Supper today, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that if anyone takes of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, and I, I believe that if we're bearing something in our heart that Jesus intended to deal with, that is an unworthy manner. So I just want to invite you to come and lay it before Him and leave your burden there. If you'd like to join me, you're more than welcome. Father, we come. Your Bible bids us come. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Isaiah, come to me. You who are thirsty and drink. Without price. We come to you this morning. Hearts burdened and we seek father relief from you father would you begin to help us by your gospel through your truth to walk through whatever it is that's heavy that we're walking through would you begin to help us think through this in a biblical worldview would you begin to help us think through and and live out what you are calling us to live out because You don't want us to move on from this place like we are. Father, I pray that you would do something in breakthrough. Father, there are walls built up that you want to tear down. There, There is struggle, there is strife in our hearts. And even among people, Father, that you desire to work through. And I pray, Father, that by your grace you'd work through it. Father, and even at times there's disunity and factions among us. And Father, you desire unity. 
And so I pray in Jesus' name that the power of the gospel would change us. Father, your Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that, that through Jesus you've torn down every dividing wall of hostility between people. Your Bible says that there is unity to be found in Christ. Your Bible says that there is forgiveness that is to be found when we lay our burdens and throw ourselves on your mercy. There is grace for every need, strength for every weakness. There, there is hope for the future, strength for today, mercies that are new every morning, grace sufficient for our weakness. Father, there is in you all that we need. You are our all-sufficient Savior, sustainer, you uphold the universe by the word of your power. And right now we're asking you to uphold us who are weary. Isaiah 40 says you hold the stars in place. You've not lost a single one of them. You call them each by name because of your great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing, Father. We know how much more important and how much more you care for us than you do the, the stars. And so, Lord... Hold us with your righteous right hand, with your outstretched arm. Hold us. Father, if we are grieving your spirit, Father, reveal in us what it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Bible says in Exodus chapter 12 verse 7 and 11 through 13 this verse 7 then they that's all those who fear the Lord shall take some of the blood of the Passover lamb and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it verse 11 in this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened with your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I'll pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. There is a theme in the Bible. There's a theme in the Bible of substitutes and sacrifices. Substitutes and sacrifices. And it runs from the beginning to the end. Substitutes and sacrifices. There is, as Jonathan Edwards says, a scarlet thread of redemption that runs through the Bible that you, another great theologian once said, you cut the Bible anywhere and it bleeds the blood of Christ there is this idea from beginning to end that God provides for his people both substitutes 
and sacrifices. And you see that first in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve rebelled against God in their sin. They thought to themselves, we make a better God than God would. And so they chose to do that which God told them not to do. And their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. They were filled with shame. There became a relational strife between them and God and between one another. And we see that played out in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Sin had this ripple effect that went all the way down through every piece of creation, starting in Adam and Eve's heart, all the way through animals, and even the world in which we live is groaning for redemption of the sons of God. I don't know if you see it, but I watch the news sometimes, or at least find it online, and I I find that the world seems to be groaning. People, sin seems to be increasing, and it all started in Adam and Eve, and from them you and I inherited a sinful nature that made us sin. We're not sinful because we sin, but rather we sin because we're sinful. We inherited a nature from them. And so sometimes even still we believe that we'd make a better God than God. And and I don't know about you, but if your bodies are like my bodies where you wake up in the morning, you sleep a little too long, you lay in the bed a little too long and you wake up and you go, ow, that hurts, right? That, That right there should prove that we should not be the gods of our lives, right? Your knees are falling apart. Your hips are new, right? You got, you're a bionic person from all the new things that you got in you. We are not fit to be gods in our lives, and yet our sin still desires that. They rebelled against their creator, and they earned for themselves the wages of their sin, which was judgment and death, and there God did something incredible. I think best described in Ephesians chapter 2 where it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved them, he provided for them a substitute and a sacrifice. Right there in the garden, we see the first gospel ever proclaimed that God himself gave a substitute for their sin, that there was an animal that died right there in the garden, the first death ever known to humanity. He, God slay that animal and he covered their nakedness he covered their shame and the animal died for them and their sin was atoned for through the animal's death there was a substitute and a sacrifice are you with me amen and then we move to abraham and isaac relational strife abraham's only son isaac was destined to die and and he was to be sacrificed on the mountain to god and abraham said to isaac his son when isaac said okay dad i see that we're walking up the mountain and i see that i've got the the wood for the fire on my back you've got the knife and you've got the fire in your hand but where's the sacrifice abraham looked in faith to his son and he says this god will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering my son I want you to know God always provides substitutes and sacrifices. God will always save those who are destined for death. God will provide a substitute and a sacrifice. And we see it right here. And God, who is rich in mercy, provided that. There on the mountain, this is what we see. There was a ram. Abraham turned around. There was a a lamb, a, a ram caught in the thorn bush. And Abraham offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place The Lord will provide substitutes and sacrifices. A theme through the Bible. 
There's the Passover lamb here in Exodus chapter 12 that every person in Egypt, both Jew and Egyptian, were under the judgment of God, the just judgment of God, that because of their rebellion, because they had forgotten him, because they had ceased to worship Yahweh, even Israel was under the judgment, but God provided a substitute and a sacrifice. Can you just imagine the darkness of that night? And I don't mean the physical darkness of feeling um, the, the sun going away and the moon coming out, but I mean, can you uh, feel the emotional, spiritual darkness as there is judgment coming? And God says, but if, but if, what we see right here in Exodus chapter 12, if you slay the Passover lamb, if you put the blood on the, the lintel in the doorposts, if you do that, I will pass over your house because you're hidden under the blood. Your house is covered by the blood. You are trusting in the blood of the spotless lamb, the Passover lamb. And if you will hide under it, I will pass over you and I will judge everybody else. A substitute and a sacrifice. There is no boasting this night. Nobody stood that night boasting. No, there was no hierarchy there in Egypt. The slave and the king were on the same page. Nobody stood there before God and said, because I'm a good person, no, judgment was for all, but this substitute and this sacrifice was given for all, and the Lord provided a sacrifice. Are you with me, church? There's a theme through the Bible. Their only hope was God's mercy and grace, substitutes and sacrifices. And there that night they threw themselves upon God's mercy and grace. They covered the entrance of their homes with blood and they hid under the covering of the blood of the lamb. The lamb died instead of you. Substitutes and sacrifices. And then we come... We could, I could keep doing this. I could go to the offerings. I, I could go to the, the, the Day of Atonement in the book of Leviticus. I, I could go to a number of different places, but I'm just going to skip on to Jesus, okay? Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, Behold, the what? The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. A substitute and a sacrifice. Right there. Right there. Jesus had done nothing wrong. There was no sin in him. But God provided the lamb. Are you with me, church? Jesus substitutes and sacrifices. Now, here's the thing. In the same way that no one stood before God in Egypt boasting or on their high horse, no one stands before God in Jesus' day with boasting in their hearts or on their high horse. No one stands there in a hierarchy of sinfulness. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and there's a substitute and a sacrifice for that. Jesus was our substitute. He was our substitute in his life and in his death. He lived a sinless life, the life that you and I should have lived, the life that we were created to live, the life that looks like the life that Adam and Eve should have chosen in the garden. Jesus lived it perfectly, yet in his death he died, the sinner's death that you and I deserve to die because we couldn't live it. He lived the life that we couldn't, and he died the death that we deserved. Isn't that grace and mercy? There's a substitute for us and a sacrifice for us. So the essence of sin is that man substituted himself for God, but the essence of salvation is that God substituted himself for man. And we read, if you read the Gospels, Jesus lives sinlessly, and he died a sinner. 
the sin of the world put upon his shoulders. He substituted himself for us. Willingly, he took on the sin of the world, the judgment of God, the full brunt force of God's wrath for all the sin of mankind from all eternity past to all eternity future. Jesus bore it all there. A substitute and a sacrifice. Do you see it? And we, like all people since, were only spared because Jesus wasn't. And so at the Passover meal, Jesus instituted what we now know as the Lord's Supper, or communion. He instituted this idea of bread and wine that is his body and his blood. And he was looking forward to the next 24 hours of what he was going to accomplish for all mankind. He looked forward to what would be the fulfillment of what the Bible had been pointing to for 2,000 plus years. On this day, on this moment, when the Lord's Supper was instituted, when bread was brought out and broken, when wine was poured and passed, he was, this is the fulfillment of Genesis chapter 3, of Abraham and Isaac, of the Passover lamb, this is the fulfillment of all the sacrifices, the fulfillment of all the law, right here in the bread and wine of Jesus. And now we look back, we celebrate. We're not looking forward to Jesus saving, we're looking back and saying, He did! He accomplished everything necessary for my salvation and yours. The question is not, did he accomplish it for you? The question is, is it your trust? Is it your hope? Have you thrown yourselves on the mercy of God and God alone through what he did through Jesus? There's a substitute and a sacrifice for you, but you have to trust in him. Don't invite him into your heart. Throw yourself on his mercy. We, we don't primarily look forward. We look backward with perfect hindsight to Jesus who there at the, that, that cross became the Passover lamb. And like the people in Egypt, there's no hierarchy at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. All of sin. Hey, can I just news, news flash? Your pastor has sinned. He's not perfect. Your pastor needs a savior. Your pastor doesn't have it all together. Nor do any of us. Your pastor is going to let you down. If he hadn't already, just give it time. The cross of Jesus is deeply humbling. It's deeply humbling. Why? Because we stand at the foot of the cross and there with the, the, the thief on the cross, we say, I know what I deserve, but would you, I throw myself upon your mercy, would you remember me today in paradise? I trust in who you are and what you're doing. I, I trust that you are the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, that you are my substitute, you are my sacrifice. I trust that, and so today I throw myself on your mercy. The ground at the foot of the, the cross is level. So my question for you as we come to sing a couple more songs and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper.
What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you been to Jesus for his cleansing tide? Not, Ryan, I'm a good person. I don't need a savior. Friend, I just need you to know that you inherited a nature that makes you not a good person no matter how you behave. And today, we celebrate. Some of us, we need to trust Jesus. You've never trusted Jesus. You've been trying to work your way into heaven. And Jesus says you can't work your way there, so I did. I'm a substitute and a sacrifice. Stop trust or stop stop working. Start trusting. Our obedience, our transformation flows from the cross, not earning the cross. It comes from our salvation, not for it. We do it because he saved us, not to earn his salvation. So today, I just want to encourage you to trust him. And yet, 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 yet again, there's another opportunity for you to, to come and confess sin and, and maybe to, to give your heart to him. Would you stand with me? We're gonna, I'm going to pray really fast. We're going to sing. And then we're going to have the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you for providing the sacrifice. There on Mount Calvary, there on Golgotha, you provided the lamb to be slain. We deserve something, but you are rich in mercy. Because of your great love with which you loved us, you gave your son Jesus to die for us that we might have eternal life, forgiveness, peace with God, reconciliation with man, that we might all become one through Jesus. And now, Lord, we come to you. And we ask, Father, that we would rejoice in and celebrate the fact that Jesus has washed us with his blood. God, if there's anybody among us who needs a Savior, may they cry out to Jesus, fall upon his mercy today, and be saved. Father, if there's anybody who needs to grant forgiveness, may they be empowered by the Spirit because of the blood to grant it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing nothing but the blood.
Deacons, I'm going to ask you to take your places. This time we come to the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a time where we celebrate. We celebrate what Christ has done. There is nothing special today about the Welch's grape juice or the crackers that we are going to partake in. But they're symbolic. As a wedding ring symbolizes what Christ what, what vows and commitments and covenants that I make with my wife. So this symbolizes the covenant of blood that Jesus made with his people. It symbolizes that he died. And it's not in this that we receive any grace, but it's in the blood of Jesus that we receive grace upon grace. Grace greater than our sin. And so we celebrate, church family. We remember this holy, special moment. We remember what Christ has done. Today you'll receive a, a cup, and it's actually two cups stacked on top of each other. And so in one, you need to take both of them, please, and if they stick, just twist a little, okay? But take both of them. In the bottom cup is the little wafer, and in the top cup is the juice. And so as we participate in this today, we're going to pass this out. Our deacons will come forward. I will serve our deacons. And then, then we together will commune. We'll take the Lord's Supper together at the words of Jesus. Would you please serve our church family?
deacons, thank you for your service. Be seated. On the night that Jesus was to be betrayed with his betrayer at the table, he took a loaf of bread, he broke it, and he passed it. And he said, take this bread, it's my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray, Father, we remember the grace of Jesus. That for us, he broke, willingly, he broke his body. We celebrate, we remember, and we are thankful today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's commune. He took a cup of wine, he passed it around the table, and he said, drink, all of you drink. This is the blood of my covenant, the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. He said, when you drink, do it in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for your blood. Oh, precious is that flow. Zechariah says, there one day, on that day, there will be a fountain opened for us to cleanse us from sin. And it is the fountain of Jesus' blood. We remember, we celebrate, and humbly we are thankful for that blood. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's commune together. And as we close our service, we have been... Maybe the word is reverent, somber, pensive this entire time. But the word of God says that we should also be people of joy. And so today we're going to sing a song that I hope brings joy to you. And we're going to sing it together. And so I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll sing and then we'll dismiss. Let's sing together.